Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode number 40. That's 40 of Material Issues. I'm Mark Hirschberger, joining you from the East Coast, Pop Detective Records, and as always, joining us from out in the West Coast, my very good friend, Mr. David Bash. How are you tonight, David? I'm very well, Mark. How are you? I'm fantastic. It's it's Wednesday night. It's 70 degrees here in South Jersey, um, and we've got a fantastic show on tap. What more, do, what more do I want? What more do I want? Look at the smile on my face. Yeah, this is one of the rare days where it's actually warmer in, uh, in New Jersey than it is here in Southern California. One of the rare, hey, Andy, Andy. one of the rare winter days, I should say, because it does happen during the summer quite often. Right. Yeah, it's only about 58 degrees here today, so. No, this has been fantastic. We we're all wearing our es we're all wearing our Eskimo jackets because we're. We uh, this is one of the days where you grab the, uh, well, it's not an iPod anymore, MP3 player or phone, and and just put the headphones on and take long walks with the dog. And I've been enjoying the heck out of it, enjoying the moment. Well, that's um, great. Gives you a little taste of what spring's going to be like shortly. And so, speaking uh, of spring, um, the International Pop Overthrow Festival will be in full bloom uh, in the spring as we have shows in phoenix on april 2nd right chicago from april 22nd through 30th that's right nine days and nights of pure uh, pop music and then of course the uh the piece de resistance in liverpool england from right. may 15th through 20 through 22nd at the world famous cavern club and cavern pub so we're um We've got the Phoenix and Chicago lineups up on the uh, IPO website now, which is internationalpopoverthrow.com. So go check those out. We should have the Liverpool lineups up in about a week, maybe even less. So, again, I, I'm just incredibly excited. The lineups we have for all three of these cities are great. And, you know, we did some shows last year. Our first post-COVID shows, they went smashingly well. And, um, yeah, I'm just looking forward to more. Well, so, uh, there I, think, you have it. I think a lot of people are. And, uh, you know, people can stay tuned uh, to your website at nationalpopoverthought.com or here at Material Issues. There's all kinds of information we got, uh, not only on IPL, but uh, we've got the next, you know, six or seven weeks of this show already booked. So um, we'll talk about that later in the uh later in the show so keep tuning in keep telling your friends it's fantastic it's a fantastic ride here on material issues we certainly will do that um well of course uh ipo the festival was founded um basically on power pop i mean we still feature a lot of power pop but back then it was maybe about 80 to 90 percent and what better segue than to talk about one of the quintessential power pop bands ever raspberries or as or as i like to say the raspberries i mean <laughs> i know what it's supposed to be but I, I went through my teenage years and my early 20s calling them i uh, thinking that it was the raspberries once i was corrected i just couldn't go back <laughs> most people couldn't yeah <laughs> no no but uh, but they are actually there's no the on any of their albums so it's just raspberries but Never say just with raspberries. <laughs> they are in the pantheon. They would be, you know, they would be if there was an if if there was a, a power pop hall of fame, which well there kind of is mine and Aaron Kupferberg's. But if there was a real ceremony involved, um, they would be definitely in in the first group. Uh, to, to be to be uh, enshrined, they'd be and, they'd be kind of like the Ty Cobb to the Babe Ruth and Honus Wagner and yeah yeah yeah, yeah they <laughs> they would they would definitely be <laughs> one of those five yeah and um, so you know the Raspberries or Raspberries released four albums in the seventies and the fourth one is called Starting Over and Starting Over is thought by many Raspberries fans to be their best. Uh, right. One of the most noted, noted uh, Raspberries fans who feels that way is, is John Borat, who has been a guest on our show. Um, he wrote a book, he wrote, well, two volumes of a, of a book called Shake Some Action, the definitive guide to power pop. 
and in there he he ranks his what he feels are the 200 best power pop albums of all time and starting over is number one not yep. just number one by raspberries but number one by anybody right and yeah. one of the reasons for that I think everybody would agree is the uh, the presence of this gentleman that we're about to introduce. Uh, he joined the band uh, not long before th this album. He contributed a great deal to it, um, not just playing bass, but singing and writing. And it really did, you know, complimenting Eric Harmon's tracks. It, it really w is something special. And so is this man. This man. I mean, I, I haven't. I've corresponded with him for a while, but when we used to, it was always so much fun. He's such a nice man, very engaging, and just loaded with talent. And it's an honor for us to have him. So without further ado, would you please give a huge material issues welcome to Mr. Scott McCarl. And there he is, ladies and gentlemen. Scott McCarl of Raspberries fame. And of course, uh, there's a, a great solo album we're going to talk about uh shortly but scott how are you feeling tonight terrific a little <laughs> cold a little cold for us here in la but i know isn't it crazy it's it's warmer in new jersey today <laughs> you got so short funny. sleeves on huh yeah it's all it's it's balmy well as as david said you know uh i th there's there's a lot we'd like to ask you about tonight but but i think a lot of people know you as um part of that fantastic fourth and final uh, album by Raspberries. Um, um, what many people that are maybe not hardcore Raspberry fans might not realize is that you wrote you wrote or co-wrote five tracks on that album. And so when people talk about how great that album is, they got to understand that you're such a big part of it. Yeah, and, uh, I had a hand in that. Yeah, yeah. yeah you had a, a little hand. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I, I'm remiss because I should have mentioned in the introduction that. Your solo album from 1998, Play On, is being reissued. Um, not in the same configuration. So just for those of you who all, who already have Play On and think, oh, I don't need to get the reissue. Yeah, you do. Because there's going to be some new songs on there and different wow. bonus tracks. So, um, and which label is it coming out on? Liberation Hall. Liberation Hall, yeah. And they've got a lot of really cool stuff coming up as well. They've got a Knack Live album. Tony Hazard, who's going to be a guest of ours in a few weeks, right. his, his album, all kinds of cool stuff. But yeah, um, some new tracks, um, some uh, some new bonus tracks. It's going to be very, very cool. We're all looking forward to that. Um, Indeed. Indeed. So may, uh, maybe, maybe we should start with that. There's some new tracks, as, as I mentioned. Um, did, uh, when did you record those? Over the last year. I did him uh, in L.A. with a friend of mine who you'll be meeting. Yes. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I thought if I'm going to do a reissue of it, that it really should have something that you couldn't get before. So there's on the CD anyway, there'll be a total of four things that no one's heard. Wow, awesome. Wait, awesome. So there's going to be an LP as well? An LP, but that's – those are – they're apparently tied up in all kinds of problems – having to do with COVID and, yeah. and, you know, supply issues and things. And I don't think that'll be till mid to late summer, but I think about the 1st of April, this CD will come out, which I'm happiest about because it, it actually has a couple more tracks than the LP is able to hold. Right. It's got 13 right. in total. Which is exactly why CDs need to remain uh, in our sphere. They're, yeah, in the they're, they're, they're inessential again. They're, they're dinosaurs. Not at all. They hold more music, and sometimes you yeah. need that. So, yeah. Scott, will, will there be anything additional as far as the booklet is concerned um, uh, with the reissue? Um, any any additional? You know, the, one that, the one that I did twenty years ago with Tom Sorrells that was such an extensive booklet. It ah, really was. was. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah I, it's got it's got I really great to write some notes. Too. Yeah, look at that. I tried to write some things. <laughs> that hadn't been on that right but it, that was quite extensive it was done in britain and they went all out on it mm -hmm. yeah that's kind of why i asked i knew it was it was quite it was quite the package uh, when you originally put it out um but uh, you know uh with four additional tracks and some more information i didn't know if you updated that whatsoever but uh 
CD is fantastic. Looking forward to it. And of course, uh, one of these days, as far as the uh, supply chain is concerned, we'll get the LP out as well. But uh, yeah, that's the issue. So, yeah. as this man would say, let's start from the beginning, shall we? <laughs> um, you were you were born and raised in Kansas City. I was. And uh, suburban um, Kansas City. And of course. You were just about the right age so that when the Beatles appeared on Ed Sullivan, it meant it a lot. Couldn't have been better. Couldn't yeah. have been better. I was a 13-year-old kid. Oh, my like God. Perfect. Just a sponge waiting for the right thing or things, and that was it. As it was for so many people. Is that when you decided that you were going to be, become a musician, join a band? Um, I had liked listening to the radio before that, but I'd never given thought to being in a band or anything. And I didn't really get in a serious band for some time after that. I think I was on a learning curve for five years with those Beatles records and all those great British records, all that stuff that was on the radio, 64 and five and six. And, and just getting up to speed with how you do that. You know? What were you playing at the time? Uh, were, were, were you playing guitar at all or bass or piano keyboards um, that you were learning the basics? Uh, I'd always known a bit of piano. Uh, but for guitar, which I spent most of my time on to learn Beatles songs and things, I had my sister's regular right-handed guitar, and I'm a lefty. Right. And she wouldn't let me change the strings on it. <laughs> no, no, I want to be able to play the singing nun on it and all that stuff, you know. Okay, okay. So I just flipped it over and learned that way with the strings as they are. I've discovered over the years that there are other people that do it. But I had to be about the only one ever. You know, all the chord formations changed. They're all gnarly and weird and stuff. But it was all the, that's what I had to do. And so that's what I did because I didn't have my own guitar for years. And then when I got my own guitar, I had to turn it around silly like that because now that's what I'm used to. I've so seen I've seen a few bass players who have learned to play by flipping it and they didn't change the strings. So everything is exactly the way it happened. A little yeah. opposite. Um as far as that, I, I, it blows my mind to think that you're learning chords upside down and backwards on a guitar because, yeah, that, that's the only way you could do it at the time. There's, there's great lead players like that. Albert King played like yes, that. Yes. Dick yeah. Dale played that way. Right. Yeah. Uh, incredible. Yeah. So I got to ask you, Scott, is Hastings Record Center still around? Hastings Records. <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't think so. <laughs> Scott, uh, we got we got a little comment just came in from Chelsea Phillips. Said she's a lifelong fan of you and the berries and thrilled to see you tonight. Hi, she Chelsea. often plays I can hardly believe it. You're mine on my oldie show. It totally rocks. So thank you, Chelsea, for Indeed. stopping by. Yeah, yeah, thanks, Chelsea. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so what was your first band? First band, Yellow Hair. So Yellow Hair was your first band. Okay. Yeah, it, it was. And by that time, I'd moved a few hours north to Omaha. And mm -hmm. so that's where that band kind of had its hub. Um, lasted about 18 months. Great stuff. Well, Just I have to say, things we loved. Heard, sorry, Suzanne, and all the things that we loved, you know. <laughs> the stuff I've heard, like somewhere, which could certainly be on, on any 60s comp. And... Um, I know that you guys probably don't like what Bell Records did to I Want to Be Free, but I like it. And um, I have to ask you something about that, because I don't know if it was your decision or Tom Sorrell's um, uh -huh. or Jeff Chandler, uh, not the movie star, but uh, your, your band member, to change the line in I Want to Be Free to I Want to Shake Your Hand. Um, I found that really interesting when I first heard that. What was that about? I kind of like that. And what happened there was uh, Tommy Boyce and Bobby Hart had written new lyrics for that song. Oh, I wow. don't know if it was specially for us on Bell or not. It could have been, but they sent us an acetate with the words on it and he was sitting there singing it. And we were to learn that. And that's what Bell wanted us to do. So wow. we went with those new words on that. Wow. Isn't interesting. Wow. The song had only been out for about three years since the monkeys did it, but Already they had some new lyrics they thought were fresher. So that's how, that's what we did. Wow. I was wondering if it might have had to do with the fact that the Beatles were so known for I want to hold your hand. that maybe, <laughs> they, maybe they didn't want to be connected to that. But it's, uh, yeah, I always found it, I always found it interesting. Um, how did you get signed to Bell? Because that's a really big deal. Mm -hmm. Well, there were two recording studios in Omaha. 
there was the big fancy one where everybody went big budget bright lights all that stuff you know the greatest equipment but we went to the little one the other one that probably hardly anyone knew about it and felt very comfortable there with the people there and one of the guys that managed it wanted to manage us after he'd heard us record somewhere and the, the other things we did and so he said oh, i'll go to new york and see if i can get your record deal and he got that bell deal for us Wow. Which is amazing. We talk, we say this every, a lot of shows, we, we interview, you know, artists from the 50s, 60s, or early 70s. And yeah, we walked into the label with the tape and they signed us. <laughs> it's like, that doesn't happen anymore today. And uh, we find these stories fascinating. It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to go up to New York and uh, I'll be back with it with the deal. And it's like, boom, Bell Records, uh, which I should have worn my Bell Records t-shirt today. Oh, I I wanted to wear a special shirt, and I had that one. And I ah, yeah. Way to go! Ah, but it's—I know there's a lot more to it, but uh, but it's just a different—it's a different world these days, as far mm -hmm. as anything's concerned. But yeah, as David said, getting signed to Bell, uh, you know, right from that is is a big deal. A big deal. But we had to do what they wanted us to do, so we sure. cut that monkey song. I yeah. I just at the time and to this day, I think that that Davy Jones just. That's it. That's the version right there. Yeah. I, mean, I never thought it could be tough, but that's what they asked us to try. Right. Yeah. Which is interesting. Wow. Well, that's as great. I said, I liked it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh, it, it's awesome. So yellow hair was around 18 months. You said, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, did you, did you play a lot live? Did, did, did you have any kind of regional touring or, or what, what was that? What was that all about? I just played that Midwest area. Midwest. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, any notable, any notable acts you opened for? Any uh, anything early on in your career that? Uh... No, nothing like that comes to mind. The the fun thing about that was that the band was formed kind of in between Kansas City and Omaha in a town called St. Joseph, Missouri. That's okay. where Tom Sorrells was living. My friend who. Hey Tom, I believe you're watching now. So. Hey ah. Tom. <laughs> and. So we formed it there in the summer of 69. Somebody wrote a song about that. I wish I'd have done that because that's when it happened. But there was this little club and I don't know quite how that came about. But the guy said, yeah, you can play here. We'll give you each a dollar a man a night. And we Whoa. said, great. We, great. And which kind of was our club, the Club Regal in downtown St. Joseph. Not a lot of people came there. We built it up a bit as it went. But it was like our hamburger or something. It enabled us to just go in there day and night as right. much as we wanted, get better, try this, try that, try this out on the crowd that night. And it was wonderful. And just play. Yeah, get, get. Everybody should be so lucky to have a deal like that. Yeah. But why did the band break up? Um, I moved on from it. And it just gotten kind of stale. And I'm not sure that... Looking back, I'm not sure we really knew how to be a band. Do you know what I mean? Like put into it, keep it alive. Don't let don't let people get cocky or egos and this or that. You're all in it together. Like watching Get Back, I noticed that the Beatles were able to pull that back out again after all that time. They were, you know, what they started with and what they'd always had. When they needed it, they could get it again. Right. And yellow hair was an instance of it just was slipping away. Yeah. Did you like so get back? What happens next? Uh, um, I, were you? Were you uh, I know you recorded a few more things. Uh, what happens between the time you contact Eric Carmen and, I mean, between Yellow Hair and the time you contact Eric? Uh, after Yellow Hair, I joined a band that was out of Virginia Beach. So I went halfway across the country to be with those guys, and they toured around, and it was more lounge than rock and roll, but more stage experience and stuff. And then when I thought that I wasn't fit for that any longer and there was something else i really wanted to do than that i left that and made a little tape of songs that i'd written during that time just on acoustic me and acoustic i probably should have done better than that but it was just like singer songwriter and sent it off i sent it off to eric carmen because i'd heard by that time i'd heard go all the way and i want to be with you i just heard that in the arby's and i'm oh man that's great I just, <laughs> this guy will understand so i sent it off to him and and about three months went by and nothing. And I thought, well, that's just one of those threads that didn't, there's nothing at the other end of it and, and whatever, you know. And bam, he calls up one night. I love the tape. That stuff's great. I especially love that one song. It was called Don't Make Me Sad. 
He said, listen, let's keep in touch. You just never know. I'm thinking about maybe producing you, whatever. Yeah, yeah. So that went on for a number of months. But when I'd sent him the tape, I'd written a little note, not long, just a couple of lines. And at the end, I said, P.S., if the bass player ever quits, call me. <laughs> yeah, and he did. Another part of that story, though, that that I read in the notes is that initially your dad had answered the phone, thought it was a prank, and hung up on him. That's true. <laughs> I was out at a club, and my dad, my dad, being my dad, Eric says, "Well, this is uh, Eric Carmen of the Raspberries. I'd like to speak to Scott." Oh, this is Harry of the Grapes. I'm not sure I can help you. you know? <laughs> I said, oh, he'll never call back, but he did. You were that close, you were that close thanks to your dad, to never having ha had that happen to you. Yeah, what have you been put off by that? But It's funny, I was talking to David uh, you know, prior to coming uh, on the show tonight, and I, I said, you know, I really don't, don't know much of the backstory of how Scott got into raspberries you know I, all of a sudden it's just I, I he's there for album number four so that is really interesting that you're sending tapes everywhere and and you decided to send a tape to eric carmen i mean the little things in life that that just make such such huge changes and the fact that he listened to it um and enjoyed it enough to call you up um it's just uh um, it seems very old-fashioned doesn't it what well, that's very old fashioned that's what you had to do back then, though. Yeah. Yeah, but it's you know, it's just a, it's just neat stories that that lend you know people down a certain road, that you know any 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 tiny little thing could have turned that sideways, like like your dad answering the thing saying yes, and then Eric saying, well, that's enough of that. I'm done with that. But you know, um, yeah. it's just interesting. That's it's such a cool, such a cool story. So ultimately, you do get invited up to Cleveland. I did. And got off the plane, and Eric and Wally were standing there in stage gear. Oh, man, this is cool. I've got my Hofner in the case. But the, it was the funniest audition, really, because we just went to Eric's place, sat around talking, sang a couple of Beatles songs for fun, sold some stories, rode around in the car that night laughing and this and that. Nothing formal at all. At the end of the time, they said, look, this is great. And, and probably... Things had gotten sour with them, the band as a whole. And just like I was talking about Yellowhair having done. And I think they were looking for something a little different. And I happened to be just right for it. Because I wow. it's just yeah. it's just it's crazy. I mean, you know, raspberries, uh, they had a modicum of success. They were on television. They, you know, they 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 yeah. were, you know, uh, to a point of a certain level and you you show up and it's like yeah let's just hang out and chill and hey this is this is cool let's go this direction it's nothing that formal <laughs> no no worldwide auditions to to yeah, find I didn't know what I would be put through but it was the simplest little thing and I thought yeah this feels better than the other thing feels exactly how many right. of the song how many of the songs on the demo you sent him ended up being on starting over uh, on on that little demo yeah that I sent Eric mm -hmm. zero. Oh, I wow. Others. Yeah. He, I, at one point, he said, well, why don't you play me what you've got? And I said, all right. I'll, and I had play on. I played him that one. Oh, yeah. Let's let's see what we can do with that. And so we got going on that. And then when that was done, that went so well, that it was like, play me something else. And the next one I happened to play for him was a song called Cry. And I had the first verse of Cry the way that you maybe know it and nothing else. And he, bam, started putting in the loud part. And it's just we had a great working relationship that way. Just, ah. just the kind you look for in a songwriting partner. So I've had others, and it's just bam, bam. It's immediately clicked. Yeah. Yeah. I got to ask about uh, uh, recording the album. Um, I mean, not only are the songs they're a little bit, a little bit heavier in some ways. There's some power ballads and things, but the harmonies are are so good. Um, which raspberries were always known for good harmonies but particularly that album is so good how how much work did you put into the harmonies and and figuring out what to what to sing and and um and, and really getting them down or wasn't it work at all or was it just come so yeah. easily we worked at it quite a bit yeah there was a lot of rehearsal went on to get that stuff right yeah. and 
we didn't try a ton of different harmonies. It just seemed like this, this is what fits. Okay, great. We'll go with that. But I remember we played it off for Jimmy Einer, the producer. He came to hear us. We happened to be in Los Angeles and he maybe had business or flew out and listened to us at SIR, you know, on a stage, played through yeah. stuff, poured our hearts into it. Cause this is the time the producer is finally going to meet me and Mike McBride and hear these new songs and see what he thinks. He said, that was the worst thing I ever heard. He walked out. Whoa. And it was uh, just like this. silence, just like that. And Eric <laughs> and Wally are looking at each other. Did we make a terrible mistake? You know, all the things they, you know, and things that, and I'm going, oh my God, I'll never be good enough for whatever it is he's looking for. And he did it as a psychological ploy to get us to try a little harder. Mm. And we did. And he was happy with it. Wow. Yeah. Try a little harder because you don't want to say goodbye. You, you, you see what I did there? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, we all thought we were in trouble. We, we just needed that. to push a little bit more. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah, you, you got you guys are thinking that's a that's a wrap, and uh, but a little fire, a little fire, so to speak. Yeah. Is that yeah, what rose did, to get a little bit color, more? Did rose colored glasses come out of that? Um, those kind of glasses. I was staying with Wally when I first got there, and I wrote that in the basement of his house on a Wurlitzer electric piano. Mm. And now I look back and go, why did you even bother to write a slow song for a great rock band like this about yourself and not a relationship, which all their songs are about? And I would have thought, well, of course they're going to hate it. And everybody said, great, well, let's put that on there. <laughs> just maybe as an introduction to me, or I don't know what anyone thought. But. Uh, I think it's one of your one of the Raspberry's best songs. And, uh, thank uh, you. Certainly one of yours, and it it sound, it reminds me a lot of Emmett Rhodes, and I know that you sent some demos out to him as well. I did. Um, when I sent that tape to Eric, I sent one to Todd, and I sent one to Emmett, and Emmett I never heard from. Todd, I called and actually spoke with. I think he was in a studio. He says, well, my publisher knows a good song. If he likes it, we'll talk about it. And that's as far as that went. But he's, you know, nice enough guy, but he just was doing something else. And yeah. luckily for me, I thought, well, that was a bust. Let's see, what will I do next? And then, bam, Eric called. Wonderful. Well, it's a good thing he did. And yeah. uh, you were talking about you were talking about songs, about relationships and of course, starting over has a few songs about being a rock and roller uh, uh, on one in one uh, respect or, or one aspect or another. Um, one song that I wonder, what do you th about hands on you? Do you think that could actually be played now in the in the uh, in in the sort of PC world that we live in? I suppose not. Well, I suppose <laughs> there's plenty of songs like that. <laughs> why didn't anybody edit that stuff? I don't know why. <laughs> We're kind of glad they didn't, but yeah. Oh, it's a different world. Yeah, it's there a was, different there was world. FM radio then. You could play whatever you wanted. So. Yeah. <laughs> was there any truth to the rumor that, that has been written about the overnight sensation and Lennon having an interest in it? Oh, he loved that song. He loved our stuff. Uh, he stuck his head in the door now and then. How's it going? That one sounds good because you could hear through the door somewhat. Right. And, he, and he was there, as you probably know, to work with Nilsson. Otherwise, right. we never would have met. But well, yeah, how cool is that? Well, we weren't around for the mix. We were just the, like the Beatles at the beginning. Weren't around for the mix. The Raspberries never were. And wow. that's when he got really involved. Because I think Jimmy Einer said, wow, we need to like eight hands on the thing. And John, I'll do it. And he, so he was in there mixing along with the other people. But so raspberries were not around for mix mixing at all. No. Wow. You know, you know I just remembered when you're talking about John that somebody said, "I think we're going to get John to sing along with you on Cry." I remember somebody telling me that. Thought, wow. And they probably thought in the end, no, no, that's silly. What, why would you do something like that? Let it stand on its own. So, that, but that that amazes me that 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 especially someone like Eric or Wally so hands-on that that once it was recorded they, they weren't involved with mixing uh the album which is uh that's amazing um that's that's something that's uh, I, I wouldn't have, wouldn't have thought that. 
yeah, we just walked away and uh, figured it'd be great. Uh, because the, those, the mix can change things dramatically uh, from what your original vision is. Yeah. Is uh, is um, wow, it's it's crazy. But tell us tell us a little bit about um, some of the some of your favorite shows with raspberries. I know that there was a Central Park one where where John Lennon actually introduced you to the crowd. Um, he did. Yeah. What, um, yeah. Tell us about some of the ones that really stand out for you. Well, that one was neat because it was a spring day in Central Park, free show. Um, gosh, the only band I can remember now that was on it along with us was the Chambers Brothers. What an interesting uh, lineup. But yes, they were great exactly. guys. We hung around with them. And John and Nilsson came up and, and introduced us before we went on, I guess, because we'd gotten to be a little bit tight at the record plant. That was a real neat day. Oh, yeah. Wow. Any wow. others that come to mind? Well, if I had to choose one gig that was my favorite gig with them of all, it'd be the first night. Just finally, I'm playing the bass on these songs. And when he says, go all the way, I'm going to go all the way, you know, the harmony part. And I'd say, wow, this is so cool. And we were lucky we were in a place that they really liked us, someplace down in Kentucky. And I, hmm. if that had been the only one, that would have been good enough, you know? Wow. But we played, I remember we played at Disney World very shortly after it opened on oh, the wow. Tomorrowland stage that comes up out of the ground, you know, as you start playing, you can hear them and then you can see them and it was right at, on New Year's. So it was, that was a fun gig too. Is there a lot of video that exists uh, of you playing with them live? Um, I, I, I haven't seen that much. Um, John Kirsten's rock concert. Yeah. Um, no, there was some footage filmed of us rehearsing. Yeah. But you're right. It is kind of scarce. Yeah, uh, surprisingly so. Uh, but uh, much uh, less than the first band yeah. lineup yeah. of Raspberries did quite a few things. Midnight Special and this and that. And the other. Yeah, right. Yeah, and yeah, and, and that that's kind of reflective about maybe what what Capitol Records was thinking at the time that maybe this band has run its course a little bit. And I know that that was sort of a feeling that was pervasive. And, you know, as much as I know you love to play some of those gigs, it was sort of bittersweet for you, right? Because there was some infighting um, uh, with, between Eric and Wally in particular, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't know where that was coming from, how, why that had built up the way that it had. But they're just so different as personalities. Just so different. Very much like a John Paul type of, of dichotomy in the personalities there. And that, you know, they'd already had been together, what, three years at least. Yeah. with their ups and downs and we gave it a little bit longer did one more record but uh, you know they, they were uh, they were a talented duo in many ways and you you, you pour your heart out and, and give it all for three years and uh you know it can be frustrating even though the you know fresh blood so to speak coming uh, and with starting over was incredibly talented and led to some fantastic music um it, it, you know i think what, what did it peak at i wrote down it peaked at 143 on Billboard. Overnight sensation hit 18. You know, it had a little bit of had a little bit of fire, but not much anything. You know? Not much. Yeah, it's gained it's a, a lot. Of it's a shame that Play On wasn't released as a single. I think it could have done well. Yeah, yeah. yeah there was talk about that. I'm not, I'm not sure why it never happened, but I would have loved it. Oh, I loved it. <laughs> so yeah, I mean. I mean, how did I? I don't want. I, I I hate bringing up bad memories, but you 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 got to join one of the bands of your dreams, and you're playing gigs and overnight sensations on the radio, and it's all happening, and then then things are starting to unravel. I mean, that must have been tough for you. It was much more up down. My personality is happy with yeah, up yeah. down, up down. But that's okay. Um, the, the ups were something else. Yeah, that's great. That I'm glad that's what you're taking with you. Um, yeah. So after Raspberry sadly broke up, uh, what's next for you? What did I do after that? I spent about 10 years playing clubs in L.A. and uh, recorded here and there. Um, I'm, one of the ones on the new record will be during that time. And just looking for that. A thing to happen, but it didn't really happen. But I'm the sort of musician, I was pretty happy to be making a paycheck because I knew guys that were sleeping on floors and couches and all that and playing the clubs, a pay to play, which went on, you know, at clubs in Hollywood and 
Yeah, in the mid '80s, I guess that started with a lot of the hair bands and things. Yeah. Somebody yeah. just checked in, Scott. Wanted to know if you still uh, have stayed in touch with Eric and Wally over the years since. Uh, sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Nice. Especially Wall. I, I've talked to Wally quite a bit. Not lately, though. I really should give him a call. Hmm. Wally was there in, in '98 with you when you were out in LA at the Poptopia Festival, yeah. where you did where you did the CD release for Play On. Uh, I, uh, it was a pleasure for me to meet him at that time. So. You know, I, I, you had stayed in touch and had remained friends, which is wonderful. You know, what I had a lot of fun with came just after that. We said, let's just do something else. And so we did one a one-night gig in Cleveland that summer of 98, where it was Wally and I. And I asked Dave and Jim from the original Raspberries, who I'd never met or known, if they would possibly play a gig with me. And it was wonderful. We became friends and everything. I had wouldn't have known that would happen, but I always wanted it to happen because I love those guys. Oh, that's that. great. Yeah. That was magic. And, and I also read that you were go ahead. I was gonna say uh you were you were very very humble whenever the uh, Raspberries reunion came around and yeah. it was the original members that did that. And uh you're basically saying, Listen, it, it's their it's their ball game. It uh I get it, you know, more power to them and um, Absolutely. Uh, which which I think is wonderful. And um just uh that was very humble yeah i mean i i feel and i know you don't want to comment on this but i i mean they sh they should have had you and michael but you know that uh, i'm glad you you were you were the type to say you know it should be the original four and not us and uh some uh -huh. people might have acted differently but that that is wonderful that you uh you felt that way and uh, let's uh let's talk about play on a little bit we've got a We've got another. Well, before we do that, Mark, if it's okay, I I wanted to ask you. You almost joined the band Tattoo, which had Wally Bryson and and Tom mm -hmm. Mooney from Naz, right back in like what seventy seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Tom Mooney, nice guy. Um, mm -hmm. It's just when I had first gotten to L.A., and Wally asked if I would join, but for whatever reason, it just didn't feel right. Not because of him or anything or anything that was going on. I guess I was looking for my own thing. I think I was looking for that more. And did you, were you actually an official member of Glider with Ted Myers or did you just play on the record? I played on the record, but by the time we'd done all that, Ted was like jumping up and down saying, you guys are the band. You guys are the, do you want to be, do you want to be, let's go out on the road. Oh, sure. We'll do it. And, but I, with whatever record company things, it didn't come about. Nice guy though. And he uh, yeah, songs. I know Teddy. He really is. Um, all right, so yeah, so maybe we should bring on your partner in crime now, <laughs> with, with respect to play on. <laughs> um, uh, played played guitar with you, did some production for you, working with you right now, and uh, yeah, it's been, pardon, a Clevelander, a another, Clevelander, <laughs> another Clevelander you work with, and uh, yeah, so he's now uh, living in. The San Fernando Valley, as am I, and uh, it's going to be real, real pleasure for us to get to know him. So, could you please give a huge welcome to Michael Perkheiser. Good hey, evening, Michael. Hey, it's an honor to be here. It's great to see you guys. Hey, buddy. Hey. Outstanding, outstanding. Well, let, let's talk about let's talk about play on a little bit, uh, Scott, and, um, um, and and get into get into the reasons why that. In 1998, that was something that you felt this this was this is what I'm going to do this uh, this solo album. How'd that come about? You mean? Yeah. How'd, yeah, it, come sure. How'd it come about? Ooh. I hadn't been doing anything in about five or six years, and I get a call from Ken Sharp, hmm. who you've probably heard of. Ken, we know. Yeah. yeah, his latest thing is I think he wants to do a 50th anniversary Raspberries tribute record oh wow yeah i don't know how far along it is or anything but what a cool thing yeah um yeah. ken got in touch with me and, and he was doing a book and he wanted to talk to me he was talking to all of us it's no you guys you guys were great you know this stuff's really whatever you got me a little bit fired up and so i took a good ken impression. what should i do what song, <laughs> what song should i do and i decided i know what i'll do i'll do the one song that Eric Carmen always said, if you'd have been there, 
you'd have sung that one, Nobody Knows, that I uh, had on yeah. album number two. So uh, well, I'll take a crack at that. So <laughs> that's the first thing I did to, to get the play on album on its way. And then it just grew from there. And I said, well, that was so much fun. Maybe I'll do some more stuff. Well, a year later, I came back with Michael and everybody in Cleveland and stayed a month. And we put together a ton of the tracks that were on it. And a, a couple of people out here, the Ruben News helped me on a few of the right. tracks. Oh, yeah, yeah. Ow, yeah. Ow, yeah. Fun guys. And yeah. we just put it out. And then right toward the end of it, we were lucky enough that a company in Britain, RPM Records, Cherry Red, uh, yes. yep. wanted to be able to put it out outside the U.S. and said that they would do the mastering and artwork if we would agree to that. So Tom and I, who were putting this together, said yes and went over to England and had a fun week and got the mastering and artwork together and stuff. It's great. But Tom Sorrell, I wanted to do it on Titan Records. Titan, it's, yes. It's like I was putting all these songs together and I said, you know, now I've got to go look for a record deal, somebody that wants to put this out. I thought, I know what I really want to do and I don't know what he's going to do when I tell him, but Tom Sorrell's my old friend, still friend, from when we were about before the Beatles. Wow. <laughs> had a record, he had a record label 75 to 85 right in there called Titan Records in the Midwest where we both were living. And that had been defunct for years. And I said, maybe I can get him to do the only CD he's ever done on Titan. Him and me together, the yellow hair drummer. Let's Tom, I called him up. I think it was on his birthday. I thought I'll stack the deck as high as I can get it. <laughs> Tom, happy birthday. Hey, would you help me with the deck? And he thought about, well, yeah, I guess I could do that. So that was our project, uh -huh. that album. So it wasn't just, just any old thing. It was a lot of fun recording sessions with Michael, all the Cleveland guys, the Ruben News, and, and my old friend. Let's, let's do this. Let's write about this. Let's do this. It was wonderful. I was glad it was well received. I did it just for fun, just for fun. Michael, how did you how did you get involved, Michael? Uh, um, what 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 was what was your role, and and, and how did you get involved with uh, Scott and play on? Uh, the uh, the bass player, one of my bands, was the one that uh, had contacted Scott about doing some recording, doing some things together, and then he had uh, contacted me because he needed an engineer, and uh, I was thrilled it was like i gotta say it's like scott played i went and saw the raspberries in 74 and he played one of my all-time favorite shows it's like top 10 absolutely so i was thrilled to like be part of it um and still thrilled to be working with him and uh anyway uh they needed an engineer so i came in and started engineering for him and i i play guitar so there was some of the tracks where it's like uh, you know can you play some guitar in some of these tracks and and we just it just gelled and just worked out really really well so you really didn't know Scott uh, that much pre prior to that? I had met Scott at uh, uh, Brent, uh, Brent, the one guy uh, that was in my band. We had went out to California on a trip, and we met Scott at uh, at a club once when saw him play. Uh, I think that was in the 80s. Yeah, it was. It was 1980. Uh, but no, a previous that I didn't know him. I knew, you know, I knew who he was, but I didn't know him personally. I knew of you because of your... Cleveland band, The Action. You guys heard those records? Oh yeah, oh, oh yeah. I did oh, yeah. not know you were part of The Action. Now I, now I'm even yeah. happier to meet you. <laughs> oh, thank you. I yeah. didn't know either. Wow, The Action, cool. Uh, I, I want, I wanted to, I just wanted to throw in for those people who are listening who aren't aware of Titan Records, you really should be. Um, they have compilations out of some of the best. Uh, well, obscure 70s power pop bands that that should have been bigger, like Gary Charlson and the Boys and Arliss. Just really great stuff. And uh, they, and then the Numero group uh, got involved with uh, putting out a Titan Records compilation about 15 years ago, which you really should find. It's, uh, it's tremendous, tremendous stuff. Um, I wonder, Scott, I wanted to mention one song in particular on Play On because it's one that's left an indelible mark on me. And that's in love with outer girl. It's it's an amazing concept that you uh, you know how did you come about writing how did you come about writing that song? I, I love I that whole idea. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> cute little cute little turn twist there though, isn't it? 
Yeah. Yes. I think I'm sure it was the phrase first and then, okay, yeah, I'll make a song out of this. Yeah, so, somebody idea. wrote in, uh, Ted Myers said he wanted to know if we talked about Glider. We talked about that. We pretty did, Ted. Yes, thank you, Ted. Yeah. But uh, you can always go back to the archives and, and check check out those moments too. But thank you. Ted, let's have lunch sometime soon. I, and that's not just a Hollywood lunch thing. I really would love to get back together with you. I think we had lunch like like 25 years ago. Yeah. And uh, yeah. we need to do it again. Well, Michael, Michael, uh, everybody says Scott still has it vocally. What, what are your opinions? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Great. Careful. Great, great, Careful, great, great vocalist, great guitar player. Great. Yeah. Wonderful. Just had yeah. Really wonderful. Yeah, yeah, we had a ball. We had a ball together recording. It was a lot of fun, and uh, like I say, it was an honor. And uh, hope to do some more recording sometime. At first, it was going to be in a studio, and I said, "Mike, will you go in the studio with me?" But he very wise. I was lucky because he's got the gear at home, and the time, and the desire. And he said, "You'll go in the studio, and you'll go in there for five hours and spend so and so much money, and walk out and go, gee, I wish I had done it this way or whatever.'" At home, you can make all those changes. You can back up for a week, see what you think about what you did. So luckily, he talked me out of that, and we got to pal around in his bedroom studio. Or <laughs> <laughs> at right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Where he's at right now. Yeah, I see a guitar case is in the oh, back. Oh, wow. Okay. Are you guys looking to, to play this album live? I'm sorry? No. Are you guys looking to play out uh, in support of that? No, that's something uh, I haven't really thought seriously about doing but I, if, I don't, if i don't watch out i may get talked into it by somebody yeah, I'm yeah, gonna yeah. talk you into it <laughs> and i'm going to try and talk you into to playing your first show at ipo this summer so wouldn't that be something yeah yeah, yeah i'm gonna hey, be bugging you scott i can't believe you. you're getting to see the world with ipo that must be wonderful yeah it, it has been especially the cavern club which is a place oh. if you've never been, you need to go there. And you guys are definitely invited to IPO Liverpool. Whenever you decide you want to play, we do it every May. And uh, that's, uh, I mean, yeah, that's an open invitation. I'll so tell you what, yeah, Scott McCarl uh, coming to the Cavern uh, with a band that would blow the, I would blow the roof into that place. Yeah. Not yeah. only that, but you have a lot of fans there. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. There are people coming up to you wanting to autograph copies of Play On and Starting Over. I have no doubt. Yeah. yeah. Did you ever see the Mona Lisa Twins over there? Yes. The Mona Lisa Twins did play IPO a couple of times. Um, cool. Yeah, they're, I mean, they're still going strong. They're, they're yeah, actually going stronger. They got, they've got quite a following now. Yeah. Yeah, they're like going very well. Yeah. We're, try we're trying to get them on a future broadcast of material issues, you know? That's true, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, we'd love to talk to them. But, so uh, tell us about some of the new songs, um, because um, you know, obviously, we haven't heard them, and they're not—they're not on the original version. Um, yeah. Well, one them. of them, for some reason, I wrote about something that I think has been very rarely written about over the years: the Beatles. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I'll just, I'll stop for a second and let you think about, well, what's that song going to be like? Is that going to be real serious about, oh, they meant so much to me? No, not really. It's kind of a ballad of John and Yoko feel. Oh. It's, it's lighthearted. And it's written from the standpoint, maybe you'll like this, David, of a kid in the cavern in about 62 going, these guys are going to make it. This is great. <laughs> and I call, they're doing it right. Yeah. Wow. Okay. They are doing it right. What else do you want to reveal about um, other songs? Um, one of the songs is was written by one of the guys in Yellow Hair, the four-piece band, just a Beatles setup band, that first band of mine. And he's the only one passed away hmm. at this point. And he was a great singer, and we did some demos of some of his songs. But this one never saw the light of day. So I thought, well, in Ted's honor, in Ted's memory, I'll do Like Nobody Can. And that's one of the songs that's on there. Real oh, sweet awesome. little song. You'll like it. Pop song. Oh, awesome. Very well. And, uh, yeah, we'll see how, how, how that goes. And um, I did 
One of them's on there is from 1984, some sessions I did in 84, uh, a song called Suspicious. The fun thing about that song now, looking back to me, is that the girl whom I was suspicious of is on it with me. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, so every time I sing the chorus and go suspicious, you hear a voice going, suspicious. <laughs> oh, wow. That's her. That's her. <laughs> Turns out I was right. <laughs> and isn't there isn't there a cover, uh, a special cover on the new new album as well? Yeah, made a new one. Yeah, some pictures that uh, I don't think you've seen anymore. Oh no, I, I'm so, well. I, I meant a cover version uh, or a remake of of a of a classic. Oh song. yeah, the fourth one, which I'll get to now, is is me covering "Don't Let the Sun Catch You Crying." Yeah, yeah. Pretty straight ahead. Don't expect anything fancy on that one. But I've always loved the song. Tommy Dunbar, the Rubenu, says you'd sing that great. Let's try that. So I did that with him. You did. <laughs> you did it's a, it's a killer version yeah those are those are the ones that no one's heard of well scott yeah scott has such a great voice uh uh you know the, when play on came out it, it was just uh just fantastic and as michael can uh uh pertain to it you still got it so uh, i can't wait for the uh the new cd uh what what's the eta when, when's the release uh when's the release date? i think first of april First of April, and that's that's not April Fools. That's true. Oh dear, maybe I should have them change that. <laughs> yeah, it's not actually real, David. It's April first. Yeah, there's, there's no CD coming out, <laughs> and and Michael doesn't exist. He's just he's an avatar that we just brought onto the show. Right. <laughs> In fact, this whole interview is just a dream that all of you out there. None of us are here tonight. Amazing how it, all it simultaneously. I've enjoyed listening to the two of you speak about Plateau, speak, speaking of that t shirt you've got on. Oh, yeah. Yeah, indeed. Friends of you're mine. Fan? Yeah. You're that was really interesting when they came out. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They were, they were great. Great, yeah. great band. And um, yeah, I, I've had the pleasure, as as have Mark, although at different times, of meeting all of them. So cool. Which, uh, if if you're a Beatles fan, or if you're you know a Raspberries fan, or harmonies and great melodic tunes, I mean, Clatu was right there with the best of them. And uh, I asked you a little earlier, but I don't think you heard me. What did you think of the Get Back series? I loved it. I mean, I I, I really enjoyed it. Um, uh, uh, from Everything you always thought about or knew about Get Back, that, that you know, that that recording of that was just them throwing daggers at each other, and they hated being there, and, and that was the whole uh, that was the whole perception that, that that they put out there. But seeing it completely different, um, I think was 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 mind was mind opening uh, to that whole process. Because as you said, if, when they had to go back into it, when they had to get back to who they were, they could, you know. Um, I thought it was amazing. For me, for me, it was. For, I mean, the, the footage was so clear yeah. that it really felt like, um, like I, I had somehow gone back in time and became, and I was sitting there while it was happening and became privy to something that the rest of the world didn't know. It's like all this stuff is unfolding, and I'm sitting there watching it, and yeah. it, it really, I've never felt that way in a documentary before until get back it's just it was so well done and so real that i really did feel like like i was experiencing something that that was just happening for the first time yeah and i don't think I, I don't think there's any footage uh, of any other band uh, of that era of, of that renown that could that that could hold a candle to what they did and all that that uh, those hours and hours of footage that they that they filmed and to have to bring it back in such crisp quality is just amazing it's yeah. amazing that that is what it is you know it's funny because i was going to tell you something i uh i worked for a lot of beetle tribute bands over the years uh usually as a front of house engineer and whatnot and uh when i saw that it's like that that video is like so pristine like you were just there yeah. i remember i keep thinking it was just like these guys are really good Beatles tribute bands. <laughs> you know, it was like it was like you could reach out and touch them. Which is, you know, unbelievable to think that no, that's like that's the real thing. I mean, they're just you're 
sitting in on the real thing. It did not look like 1969 to me at all. You know, it looked like two months ago or something. It really did. Michael, okay. did you ever take any tribute bands to uh, Beatles Week at the Cavern Club? Yeah, I did. Um, there was a band called 1964, The Tribute. Well, we know uh, we know Graham Alexander very well, and I know Mark Benson very well. Yeah, Mark's Mark's a good friend. We grew up yeah. together, and we went there, and it was uh, it was really an interesting trip because I was um, I'm an amp builder, and uh, a guitar amp builder, and they uh, they had me. One of the things they wanted to do was recreate the Beatles in the cavern. So we actually um, I was tasked with making some amps that look just like their amps, the coffin case, or the coffin cabinet of McCartney's. I built one just like that. And it was wow. like, we shipped it over and we did a, uh, we did a show there at like noon. And uh, it was really cool. In fact, it was kind of touching a real quick story. There were, there were two guys sitting at this one table and the band was playing away and playing away. And there, one guy was like in tears. He was like, it's like Mark went up to him afterwards and said, uh, said, are you okay? Is there anything wrong with he goes, I was here, like when the Beatles were like playing. He goes, you guys are like nailing it with the equipment and everything. It was really touching. Just to see wow. guy, cool. you know, uh, that is just, something. Yeah. Yeah. I'm cool. actually, I, I I don't have it in front of me, but I'm actually a 1964 fan club member, number 21. Wow. Oh, cool. cool. Tell how long I've been, I've been uh, following them. I saw one of their first shows when they came to Reading, PA, and they did like two and a half hours without changing outfits. What's that? 1980. I'm going to go 84, 84, 85. Oh, okay. right, right at the beginning. Yeah, right, right at the beginning. beginning. And they did two and a half hours without changing outfits. This wasn't, you know, let's do, this was like, mm -hmm. you know, 1964, what what they would have played 64 and prior. And I got front row and I just sat there going like, because they were just something. No, something wow. else. Yeah. yeah. I do have, something, I do have something in front of me. And I know the FBI is going to start swooping down with a SWAT team here. But, yes, these are demos of starting over that cool. I got from a good friend of, of yours and mine, Scott. I won't mention his name in case uh, we get shut down here. Demos. Um, these are really cool demos. They're, um, yeah, I mean, they're very realized but not not fully produced. So. Yeah. Um, I know I'm going to get hit up for copies of this thing. But, um, so speaking of demos, one thing I wanted to ask: there are obviously there's obviously some yellow hair stuff that never saw the light of day. There's stuff that you've done that's never seen the light of day. Do you think there might be some interest in a compilation of those things? I would certainly want it out. Really? Oh yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll direct not. some labels if you if if you uh, if you have any interest in that. Absolutely. You know when I did the the album with Tom Sorrells uh, twenty years ago, twenty some years ago, and it had seventeen tracks on it, and it ran from ten new ones through the old ones all the way down to somewhere, which started everything out for me. And I I really had second thoughts about whether to put that older stuff on there. Nobody's going to want to hear that. So I don't my my mind doesn't work that way with the old things. They seem like or, or they're not done as well as they could be, or this and that. But they, but you're right. With other bands, I find stuff like that interesting. There you go. And musicians yeah. almost never think that they ne they always underestimate how many people care about their older work. Yeah. Uh, like, oh, nobody wants to hear that. It's like, well, yeah, actually, we do. <laughs> <laughs> but we're really looking forward to to the new album, Scott and Michael. Um, yeah. So. April 1st, we'll seriously look for the release. And um, it's all really, really, really exciting. And we want to thank you both for being on with us. Yeah, indeed. This for, is I'm a fan. <laughs> An absolute thrill to have you have you guys on here tonight. Uh, you know, with material issues, we try to we try to pull out some of uh, some things that, that really mean a lot to us, David and I, and we and we try to also keep it a little different and interesting. And um, every show we sign off and go, wow, that was fantastic. So I'm going to say this live before we sign off. Wow, that was fantastic. Thank you. Thank it you. Really so much. Thank you guys are wonderful. Thank you, Thank you so Thank you. much. Nice seeing you, David. You too, Scott. <laughs> let's, let's, both of you, let's, let's, let's the three of us get together for lunch. Absolutely. We're, sure. we're all in the way. All right, guys, have a great night. Thank you so much. We're going to, we're going to send you off the screen, but we will talk to you soon. Everybody look forward 
to the uh, reissue with bonus tracks of Play On from Scott McCarl featuring Michael Pergheiser uh, on guitar and production work and, and everything else wonderful. Guys, have a great night. Be happy, be healthy. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Thanks a lot. Same to you guys. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, David. Yes, that was uh, another episode. episode. Thank you, Andy. Thank you. Andy. Thank you. Yeah. No, I mean, it's a wonderful episode, and it's just great working with people who like to talk. Uh, Scott, Scott isn't as effusive as some of the other guests we've had, but he certainly was very happy to talk about what he's done and what he's doing. And he's just uh, such he's a nice just man. Such a, a charming guy. Yeah, I don't. It's hard to find. It's hard to find a word. Sometimes you, yeah. I I know. I, I use the word humble as far as uh, yeah. of what is, but um, I, I, affable, um, yes. uh, respectful of of uh, of how he got to where he he got, um, and 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 even though there were tremendous lows, as he said, there were also tremendous highs. It's and great that that's what he that he took exactly that he's exactly with it because. You know, I always say enjoy the moment, you know, I, I try to enjoy the moment every day and it comes around to shows like this and, and hanging out with you, my friend, and talking to wonderful uh, musicians or artists, actors, actresses and what we do. And I just, I'm grateful and I enjoy the moment. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah, me too. And speaking of wonderful guests, we have quite a few of them coming up, um, yes, indeed. including a couple that um, I don't think I mentioned last week because I don't think they were scheduled yet, but uh, oh, thank you. Um, coming up on March 2nd, another um, connection to Power Pop, the man who really, in, in my opinion, jump-started the Power Pop renaissance of the mid-90s by publishing his fanzine Yellow Pills, letting everybody out in the world know that, hey, there's others like us. There's others who, who, who love this music, and there's others who, who love to play this music. And I think it. I think that was an impetus for a lot of bands deciding to, to you know, get together and do some power pop. We're talking about Mr. Jordan Oaks, publisher of Yellow Pills. Um, right. He's uh, and he's such a funny guy. Uh, it's going to be a very entertaining interview. I can guarantee you that. You guys yeah. will be laughing. Um, well, sadly, we'll I I'm going to try to I'm going to try to pop in, but that's the one. One night that I I won't be able to be too involved because I'm doing PA announcing for state basketball oh, so playoffs. Sure now. That's 100 percent now. Yeah, yeah, it looks no. like it's 100 percent. But uh, I I'll be doing a doubleheader of girls and boys basketball that night, state playoffs. But I'm going to try to pop in when the noise isn't so crazy and say hi to please, Jordan. Please do, yeah. yeah. Um, so that'll be great. Uh, on March 9th, we have another icon. Uh, guitar player of, again, one of the most uh, respected uh, and loved power pop bands, the Smithereens. That would be Mr. Jim Babjack of the Smithereens on, on March awesome. 9th. Um, March 16th is uh, now Scott McCall's label mate, um, as uh, he's got a reissue of his album coming out. And um, again, a, a brilliant songwriter, wrote some hits for the Hollies and Manfred Mann and a few other people did, did an album where he essentially covered himself and, uh, <laughs> and did his own hits and other songs, uh, still going strong. And we're very going to be very glad to have him. Mr. Tony Hazard on, um, March 16th. That's gonna be awesome. yep. Then on, then on March 23rd, as, as I like to call them, pulchritudinous pop, uh, <laughs> just, uh, a real rockin' band fronted by three females, three very attractive females. Uh, I know women will say, well, why don't you talk to the men like that? Maybe because I'm not really attracted to them. <laughs> you get a female host, she can talk about the, the, the men. I'm going to talk about these women. They are beautiful. But more importantly, they really do rock, and they write some very catchy songs, and we love them. Sly Boots, nice, uh, New York band on... March 23rd, then March 30th, another icon, a, uh, a, dr a drummer for Paul McCartney and then for Wings early on, played on Ram, on Wildlife, um, still, uh, and and also on the uh, Ram on Tribute album, the yes, 50th yeah. anniversary that Fernando Perdomo put out. And I want to thank him for connecting us to Mr. Denny Sewell. Oh, there you go. 
Yes, George. Yes, I, I got to see them too a few times. Looking forward to Denny. Yep. Denny, yep. Yeah, he's uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. And then after that, we have two major, former Major League Baseball players, one of whom was also a musician. Uh, the first one is, is a guy who's uh, had a few, has had some notoriety, mainly for flipping off the crowd while he was a member of the Yankees. But he was a great, great pitcher. Cy Young Award winner, won 20 yep. games twice. Three-time All-Star. Yep. And, and, and also, a, a, you know, a, a musician. And uh, Stick Figure was, the, was his main band. There's several CDs out there. I'm starting to get into their stuff. I hadn't known about it until recently. And, um, yeah, I mean, you were talking about the smithereens. Um, this guy is good friends with them. And uh, you can see why while listening to Stick Figure. There's uh, a, a lot of resemblance there. Anyway, we're talking about Mr. Black Jack McDowell. Nice. going to be on, nice. on, on April 6th. Um, and then on April 13th, we're going to have another baseball player, not just a ball player, but an announcer for the New York Yankees and for uh, other outlets, um, just uh, really well-spoken guy, expresses himself a lot on Facebook. And, um, you know, he's going to come at baseball from, a, I guess, a different angle than, than Jack McDowell. So nothing wrong with having two baseball players in a row. Both, both Mark and I love baseball a lot. So this will be fun for us. Um, we're talking about now on April 13th, Mr. Billy Sample. Nice. Uh, outfielder yeah. for uh, several teams in, and a really good one. Had a 273 lifetime average. Um, could play the field, could do it all. So we're going to be very glad to have him. And that's where we are right now. So um, I mean, that's, we, that's, the next, that's the next seven weeks. Uh, and of course, we are always um, got things in the fire. Um, yes. uh, so as we say, if you haven't joined the Facebook group Material Issues, do that. Tell tell your friends about it because what will happen is you'll get a little notification about what's coming up next week, so you can make a little calendar note to say I got to watch this live. Um, and if you've missed it, everything's on archive and over at YouTube on materialissues.com. All the archives of uh, forty shows now uh, yeah, can be can be, found, can be found there. So we do appreciate everybody tuning in and uh, and telling oh. all your friends about it because David uh, and I have such a great time doing this and uh tonight we are so appreciative of scott michael being here um just a fantastic show number 40 so yeah thanks a lot everybody yeah good yes definitely thank you uh, we couldn't do this without you and uh, please tell your friends let's let's get this audience really uh huge and uh yeah we, we're ha i look forward to this every wednesday and uh look forward to all the other ones that we'll we'll be doing in the future so mark Again, thank you very much for do, for coming up with the idea and doing this with me, and yeah, the whole nine yards. Well, it's a it's a blast, man. My absolute pleasure. David, have a great night. Stay happy. Stay healthy. Love to Rena. Everybody out there, have a great evening. Happy, healthy as well. We will see you next week. Absolutely. Take care. Have a good one.